Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. We are back to wander around the land of Tatooine. Oops, I'm sorry. I mean, Death Valley National Park. (laughs) If you listen to our last episode, that will make some sense. But we're continuing an exploration of things you can do in Death Valley. Last time we talked about five. Today, we're going to talk about five more. So by the time you're done listening to both episodes, you'll walk away with an overview of at least 10 things that there are to do in Death Valley. There's even more than the 10 we're going to talk to you about, Mm -hmm. but 10 pretty cool things that we actually have done. So sharing those experiences with you. But before we get into, I guess, what's going to be number six on our list, Mm -hmm. here's a bonus thing to do. And I always recommend to do this when you go to any of the national parks, and that's to make a stop at the visitor center. Mm Mm-hmm. So in Death Valley, the visitor center is in Furnace Creek. When I picture Death Valley, to me, it's kind of like in the central part of the national park, kind of. And so we've been there a couple of times to the visitor center. So the first time we went, we got the whole visitor center experience. Right. They had a lot of rangers that gave talks and programs and you could actually enter in and they had models of Death Valley that yeah. you could access. So it was, it was much more interactive when we went the first time. But lo and behold, the second time we go, we do have COVID. Yeah. So most of the visitor center is closed off. Mm-hmm. When we went inside, they had a line only allowing a handful of people of that in mm-hmm. at a time. So I think our goddaughter wanted the National Park stamp. Oh, that's right. That's it. That's why we went this last time. Yeah. I was like going, but, you know, a stop at the visitor center will clue you in as to the conditions of the park for your visit. So, you know, what's recommended to do, how to do it, what might be closed. And it does turn out for the last few years, there's at least one attraction that we're going to talk about that is currently closed. So it's kind of good to know about those things. So you don't end up going someplace that you can't really see. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's dive into what's going to be number six on our list. And Julie, take it away. That would be Dante's Peak. And we did go on a hike that was off that overlook area. The highlight of our second trip to uh, Death Valley was that we drove up to this parking lot location for Dante's Point, And it is an actual overlook of the valley below and the valley below happens to be bad water basin and beyond i mean it's a it's a expansive gorgeous view you experience the bad water basin and you experience the mountains that surround it Mm -hmm. i think there was snow there 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 was was snow in the mountains when we were looking yeah when we were driving up we were in some snow area and you see astonishing it's just an absolutely astonishing view from that point they say it's one of the most astonishing views you could see from any vista point in the entire united states 
So you can look down at Badwater Basin, which happens to be the lowest point in North America. And then across from that rises Telescope Peak, which is the highest peak in the park. So if you're there and there happens to be a very clear, clear, clear day, you can actually see in a distance, just a glimpse of it, but you can see Mount Whitney. So here you are standing at this one point, looking at the lowest point in North America, and you can see the highest point in the contiguous U.S. all in one look. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. So how was that hike for you? We did end up going on a hike and we took our goddaughter. Uh-huh. And I thought it was the, the best part of this trip, this particular trip. You hiked into a trail. I think it was about four miles in to a certain point and you, could, you hike back out. Mm-hmm. But you can stop anytime you want and turn yeah. around. And there was hardly anybody on the trail at all. Yeah, that's what was nice about it to me. Yeah. It was like kind of we, it felt like we had the place to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And you would turn certain places on the trail, and you would see, turn around, look at the view, or the views right in front of you, and it was just gorgeous. It was massive. It was like eye candy. I mean, you just, I couldn't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. I just, I just wanted to sit there and watch. You know, yeah. sit there and look, and it was just beautiful. Yeah, we brought our lunch, I think, with us or yeah. some snacks, right? No, lunch. And we were sitting on that mountainside eating our lunch overlooking that in massive, massive mm-hmm. valley floor of mm-hmm. Death Valley and uh, just a great moment, a great experience. And as you're hiking in further too, you not only see that Badwater Basin side of the view, but you start to see the eastern view, which is just as beautiful. Yeah. Well, Well, maybe not just. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Gives you something. It just adds to the diversity, I think, of the landscape. If you can do it, I would highly recommend that hike. It's not marked. You can see it from the parking lot, and it just starts going straight up into that ridge uh, from the parking lot. Yeah, there was no, like, trail marker, like like Dante's hike, whatever it's called, begins Mm -hmm. here. Right. But, yeah, you kind of look around and you kind of figure it out. And the trail kind of basically goes along the ridge of that mountain that you're on. Yeah, it's safe. It's very safe. We had hiking sticks, which are, for us, they're just extremely helpful. I mean, you ended up giving one to our goddaughter because she was kind of slipping and sliding a little bit. So, so, and that helped her tremendously. And hiking boots, those help for traction. Yeah. So it's one of those hikes. I would definitely bring hiking sticks, wear good hiking shoes. How would you classify the hike in terms of difficulty? For me, I found it a very good hike with moderate type of difficulty yeah, yeah i would put it in the moderate category yeah, i mean th- yeah. there's some sections where you're doing some ups some downs i mean we've been on so many hikes where the ups have been so much yeah. more and and the downs have been so much more yeah. so this is kind of a nice it almost reminds me like the terrain if it was like a mini roller coaster kind yeah of there's a lot of downs. ups and downs yeah so I'm really glad that we sought this hike out and yeah. did it because, like you said, I mean, this the second trip that we did. This to me was the the number one memory for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Little note on it though. How about a little note on? Well, Dante's I had a question, point. Julie, and maybe you have the answer. Okay. Dante's Peak. Yes. Who the heck was Dante? Dante's view was named after Dante Alighieri, who wrote the Divina Commedia, which is divine comedy in which he describes nine circles of hell, the seven terraces of purgatory, and the nine spheres of paradise. 
And it does seem fitting, doesn't it? It does. Mm -hmm. Although when we were up there, there, there's several places in in Death Valley that are named after actual people who had been there, lived there, etc. I thought that this might be named after some guy named Dante, who was an early pioneer. But I think that author was an Italian from a few hundred years ago. Yeah, quite a few hundred years ago, but apparently very well known. Mm Mm-hmm then too but i mean there are a lot of places that are named after people that made their name there yep and uh made, made some kind of impact in death valley but mm-hmm. not dante it seems fitting though absolutely when you when you take that hike you'll you'll get it a little note for death valley's national park these trails they do not allow pets to walk on the trails and i know a lot of people's pets are very important to them and they love to take them out but with a lot of national parks, when you start going into these hikes that go into the mountains, they try to keep those as pristine as possible. And pets introduce something that is not natural to the area. Also, there are wild animals and you want to protect them from a wild animal that may want to attack your domestic pet. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a pet on trails in the national park. There are places however that you can walk your dog they have these incredible dirt road paths that you can walk your dogs on yeah so that would be something that going back to talking about the visitor center Mm -hmm. they can guide you to if you do have your pet where you can go versus Mm -hmm. where you shouldn't go Mm -hmm. exactly with your pet all right let's move on to number seven on our list which is the harmony borax works our first trip to death valley Going to this location was like the first thing I remember that we did in Death Valley proper, other than the Mesquite Sand Dunes, which we talked about last time, but fairly close to the Furnace Creek area. And a little background, I guess, before we talk about what you'll see when you go here. So while Death Valley has one of the fiercest climates in the world, that doesn't mean that there's not anything valuable in the land. And in fact, in the early 1900s, there was a short-lived gold rush in the area. People thought that they would strike it rich finding gold. Mm -hmm. That didn't quite work out. There were some miners there who also prospected for copper, for lead, for silver. And while those endeavors didn't quite bring the riches people were hoping for, one of the things that did turn out to be fruitful was harvesting the borax deposits which lie on this massive valley floor and this is where the harmony borax works were created once upon a time and this area these borax works when death valley national park or monument i guess back in the day first opened this was like the central feature that was an attraction for people coming in to to see what used to happen here in, in the death valley area So back in 1881, near Furnace Creek Ranch, which interestingly back then was called Greenland, Mm -hmm. uh, ain't nothing green in this place, Mm -hmm. a guy named William T. Coleman built the Harmony plant and began to process ore in the 1880s. And when the plant was in full operation, it employed close to 40 men who would produce three tons of borax every day. But in the summer months, when it got really, really hot, the water that they would need to process the borax, they couldn't get it cool enough for the borax to crystallize. So the workforce would move to another plant in Tacopa, California. But for the rest of the year, they operated here out of Death Valley. 
one image from this operation that people may have seen, may have heard of, is the famous 20 mule teams, which depict the mule teams and the wagons that would haul the borax overland to Mojave. And this has become kind of a romanticized image of the area. When you go there today, what are you going to see? So there's just remnants of some of the building structures that used to be there, but you're going to see foundations, parts of walls. Parts of walls yeah. You're going to see parts of the actual uh, machinery that used to um, make this place hum. And it's kind of like a, a ghost town of an old manufacturing processing place. The thing that I had fun doing here was... When we did this first trip to Death Valley, I had um, kind of new to me wide angle lens on the camera. And uh, it was kind of fun to take photos in this area with that wide angle because you'd get like really, really close to the things that you see here. And then you get just these cool images where you walk straight up to the thing that you're taking a photo of and it just takes up your whole lens yeah. space. Yeah. When I go back to look at travel photos, one of my favorite ones to look at are those initial Death Valley pictures just because they were done in such a unique way. I don't use that lens very many times. So if you like that kind of history of what used to be in a place, Harmony Borax work is going to give you a flavor of that. And on December 31st, 1974, this site was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. So it does have an important part in American history. Mm -hmm. And you can see the remains of it in Death Valley National Park. Mm -hmm. Very and interesting. Too. Any other memories you have? Of it was it? just very interesting. I know we walked around and they have little placards that explain what you're viewing yeah. or the area, what may have happened during the time that this plant was in use the yeah. borax plant was in use yeah it was really fascinating yeah the other thing is so i almost forgot about this that i remember now that we've been talking about it walking on the ground and i, I believe it was in this area where your feet are on like that crunchy salty yeah. yeah earth where it just kind of felt like i've never walked on anything that felt like that yeah. prior yeah. to our trip there yeah, so extremely unique even us. just yeah. walking there it gives you, you know, we joked earlier about being in tatooine being here gives you that sense of am i still on planet yeah. earth because yeah. it just seems so different yeah so kind of cool very cool i thought it was very cool number eight on our list would be zabriskie point very popular point in uh, Death Valley, very close to Furnace Creek. We had talked about that area. It is a vista, and it's one of the places that people love to go at sunrise and sunset because you get some beautiful, beautiful views, and it's great for photography, mm -hmm. you know, if you're into photography. And kind of colorful hills, too, here. Yeah. Huh? Oh, very. Yeah. yeah. So when you get to the parking lot, it's, fairly, it's really easy to get to. It's right off the road. You're going to see a massive amount of cars. Yeah. Yeah, it's very popular. Yeah. And you park, but you still have to take a walk. It's a quarter mile walk, and it's a slight uphill. So be prepared for that. And it's a paved trail, so that makes it easy, too. So it's it, you're not really struggling to get up, but you are going to do a little bit of uphill. Mm-hmm. So once you get up to that point, you get this spectacular view in the park itself. And like we said, the hills have all these different colors and there's a lot of yellow and there's a lot of brown and they're kind of striped through the area. 
And it's, it's very rolling type of hills, very smooth surfaces. And all of this has been shaped over time by water, over a lot of time by water. You can also view the Salt Flat Valley floor in the distance from this panoramic view. So it's just a beautiful view, really easy to get to. I think maybe that's why it's so popular. Well, I think it's also popular just because the way it looks at sunrise and sunset, it just has this magical sense to it. I mean, there's interesting colors in these hills. They look different than your typical hills that you Mm -hmm. see anywhere else. And it's just, um, there's a certain beauty to it that's unique to this area. Yeah. Now, when we went this round, the second trip we went on for Death Valley, we ended up getting there late afternoon. Yeah, not quite sunset, a little before sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was about late afternoon. Very, very full. A uh, little different because I think because of COVID and because Death Valley had opened up, mm-hmm. I think there could have been more people than usual there. Kind of felt like it. It did. Because yeah. I remember the first time we went there, there was very few people that surrounded us when we walked up to Zabriskie Point. And I remember it was cold, so it was later on in the evening. So it could be that if you get there early morning, you're not going to have as many people, Mm -hmm. only because those are the photographers that want to get those shots. In addition to, I guess, what I would call your traditional photographers who want to get their shots, the other thing I remember from this last trip, this seems to be a super popular point for the Instagrammers. So if you remember, we were walking Mm -hmm. around, and there was... People pose themselves a certain way when they're taking their Instagram shots. And there was no mistaking (laughs) several folks who were doing their, I'm going to post this on Instagram. Watch me pose. Yeah. Standing on one foot. And they'd walk out and they'd actually leave that platform view area and walk out onto the the hills out, you know, where it was safe. I mean, they weren't like doing anything unsafe. But But there was a a couple of places where people were walking kind of like on ledges of rocky areas. Yeah. Well, that bothers you. Some people can do it and not be scared, honey. Well, (laughs) when you walk out there, I don't know that you should be standing on one foot and with your arms up in the air. (laughs) I don't know. We post our photos on Instagram too. Yes, we do. But we don't have, we we don't quite have the poses down, I suppose. We're not good at it. We're, we're, we're senior folk senior yeah we are are you kidding well maybe i am we're we're experienced mature adults all righty who are still finding adventure in the world (laughs) i'm not sitting on a rocking chair julie no and i won't let you a little bit about this place why is it called zabriskie point well there is a man named christian zabriskie was he italian and wrote a book? I don't think he was Italian. It does not sound Italian to me, but he was a prominent figure in the heyday of the Pacific Coast Borax Company. Yeah. So there you go. Somebody that was active in the area during this Borax time when when they were uh, mining for that. Actually, Zabriskie sounds Polish. It does. Yes, probably is. It's Eastern European for sure. Mm-hmm. The most pronounced feature when you're up on the viewpoint is Manly Beacon. So it's an area that kind of juts out. It's very prominent and it juts out and it is named after one of the 49ers that visited the area. Yes, Mr. William Manley. And I'm going to interject here because I just finished like a couple of days ago reading this book, Death Valley in 49, and that would be in 1849. 
written by this guy, William Manley, who experienced traveling through this area in the mid 1800s and has a fascinating story. And I would recommend if you're gonna spend some time in Death Valley, it's worthwhile to curl up with this book. It's an accessible read. It'll give you a flavor of the pioneers who made their way through this land before there were roads, the extreme hardship and uh, life and death type of experiences that people endured. You know, today we've got the luxury of you know being in our cars, air conditioning, um, we can stop to get a bite to eat, etc. Things that didn't exist 150 some odd years yes, ago. Yes, you so. bring water with you, not have to find it in the desert. Anyways, that's my reading recommendation. Mm-hmm. I digress. If you like to hike, there's a few hikes uh, you can take from this point or around that area. So from the parking lot, there's a Badlands Loop Trail and few others that connect to that so you can again furnace creek ranger station is right there very close to you 15 minutes away Mm -hmm. and before you take off you can find out uh what the hikes are like from zubriski point yeah so i imagine on our next trip to death valley because we haven't done the hikes from this point we've been to the the vista several times Mm -hmm. but maybe one of those hikes would be on a future trip oh absolutely for sure So because of the landscape and the colors and how unusual this place looks, it has been um, a part of movies. It has been a part of soundtracks, videos. It's something that was used, for example, in 1970 by Italian director Michelangelo Antonioni. And this movie was called Zabriskie Point, and the soundtrack had uh, the music from Pink Floyd and Jerry Garcia, people that were very familiar. And I own this album on the vinyl. Oh, that's right. You do. I don't even know if I've opened it yet. You showed it to me. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. 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 I haven't played it yet. I need to throw it on the turntable. uh, Yeah. But I own it. Yeah. Zabriskie Point. Black vinyl. Yes. Love it. I bet you Rick doesn't own it. That's my brother. Your brother had so how many how many records does your brother own? He has three thousand eight hundred and thirty-eight, but he's bought more since. So he updates you every couple of months about <laughs> yes. what the number yes. is up to. Yep. So yep. he he's winning the vinyl battle. Oh, big time. Yes. He he has a he has a whole room. Just with vinyl. Yes. Just with vinyl. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. This location also is prominently on the cover of U2's album, The Joshua Tree. Do you have that? I have that on CD. Oh, okay. And I find, so, yeah, I think we read about that the cover featured this area from Zabriskie Point, which, you know, it was a head scratcher to me because I, I always thought all along that the cover would have been from something in Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah. But maybe that's not but, quite the case. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you get more spectacular pictures from Zabriskie Point. But their album wasn't called The Zabriskie Tree or The Death Valley bush it was called yeah. the joshua well, does tree. this surprise you They're yes i told you it's, it's called surprise. smoke and mirrors the location was also used to represent the surface of mars in the film robinson caruso on mars which we did not see have not seen that no i have to go back to the joshua tree real for for a minute oh you jo- do yeah so you know sometimes like with music you can remember a point in time when you were listening to it yeah You've got songs like that, yeah. right? Oh, With yeah. certain memories. Oh, yeah. When I think about the Joshua Tree by U2, uh-huh. it was the album that I listened to 
the night before we got married. Really? You were not with me. I was all alone. Oh. It was the night before. And I think this album was recently released and I had it. And uh-huh. I remember I was playing in the house. So that's my point in time when I think about that album. That's, oh. that's the memory that comes back to me. Hmm. No, I have to listen to it again. And the next day we were hitched. Yes, we were. Yes. It was the best day of my life. Yes. Uh, Zabriskie Point was used as a film location again for the 1960 Universal film Spartacus, which we have seen, showing Gladiator school boss Peter Ustinov on muleback, trekking into an Egyptian mine to buy slaves to put in training. That's not a nice scene. No, but is it was it? filmed in Zabriskie Point. It was. Yes. It was. It is one of the most popular spots in Death Valley National Park, as we have seen, because it, it was yep. very, very packed, very full, hard to get parking sometimes. And we would rank this as one of the places you need to go to. Yeah, you, I would put you it You have out. to go to. Yeah, yeah. it's on a must yeah. view, I think. All right, number nine? Number nine. Number nine would be Ubahibi Crater. And this is a large volcanic crater 600 feet deep and a half mile across. You're going to have to drive a little bit away from some of these main points that we've been talking about to see it, but it's an accessible drive. And um, it's, it's another one of those interesting attractions in the area. This crater was created once upon a time by steam and gas explosions when hot magma rising up from the depths reached groundwater and there would be this intense heat flashing with the water into steam which expanded until the pressure was released as a tremendous explosion yeah and standing there you remember standing there right oh absolutely yeah the immenseness of this crater the size of this crater the explosion i can't even imagine how big it was I really can't. I mean, that is a huge crater. It was a bigger explosion than the time that the microwave blew up in our kitchen. It was definitely bigger than yes. that. <laughs> definitely. Because there's not a crater in our <laughs> kitchen. Oh, which, so maybe this is kind of like a public service announcement. So while we're talking about explosions, don't let this happen to you. So why did our microwave explode? Because you were trying to boil water in a glass container. Yeah. And so apparently it's a thing and you can look it up on the internet. There's this chemical reaction that can happen when... The molecules. It's the molecules move too rapidly. They move so rapidly that they actually explode. And, And prior to that event, I mean, I had boiled water in the microwave dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And for whatever reason, this one day, and I was wet six feet away from the microwave no, door less than that i was close and i don't know how you describe an explosion but it, it blew the door open open and it, water hot boiling water came flying and out. it destroyed the microwave yeah yeah so we had to get that taken care of so if you need to boil water do it on the stovetop yes anyways back to ubahibi crater yes it's another one of those scenes in Death Valley that's otherworldly. You know, I, I think about the moon, I think about craters, mm-hmm. and you're walking around this area, mm-hmm. and there's this massive crater. Again, it's kind of like being on another planet is what it seems like to me. This is an area you can get out, you can walk around. It's actually possible to walk down to the bottom of the crater, yeah. but just know if you attempt that, 
you're going to have to walk back up. Yeah, and it's quite steep. Yeah, so that'll be an excursion of uh, your energy. But we need to do it. You think we need to do it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because we've walked around the rim. We've taken yeah. photos. We've viewed it. Mm -hmm. But I'd be game for, if you're game. I'm game. Okay. If we do that, I don't know if we'd have to let somebody know. So just in case we're not back up by <laughs> yeah. like 4 p.m. or sure. something. Yep. Call the park rangers. Yeah. Or if you go to Death Valley and walk down to Ubahibi Crater and make it back up, you can let us know what that experience is like. Walking around the rim, it's about a mile and a half round trip, which gives you a sense of the size of the crater. And there's some other craters that are also nearby in the area, but this one, Ubahibi, is the most well-known crater and probably the most mm -hmm. visited crater. So It does uh, have a parking lot, too, mm -hmm. so you can very safely park your car and make your excursion. Yeah. It's a neat feature of the land to see. You're going to read about it on the literature that you get from the National Park when you get into Death Valley. So that's a little bit about it. And I think, Julie, we have one more place to talk about. We have a, a place to talk about that we had gone to on our first trip. So we were very lucky to be able to experience number 10 on our list, which is Scotty's Castle. If you go today at this point, you cannot go to Scotty's Castle. It is closed. Can't go inside. It received massive flooding. It got severely damaged. And they're trying to restore it back to its original state, but apparently it's taking a lot of time. And I can't imagine some of the stuff that was inside this home, if they can even restore yeah, it. Some I of that mean, stuff has got to be irreplaceable, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And, and I think I had read about that they may have it ready to open, if not in 2022, I think by 2023. Yeah. So, you know, you and I often will plan certain trips to national parks many, many months in advance. Mm -hmm. So somebody who's planning future travel, it could be that by the time you get to Death Valley, you know, fingers crossed, you might be able to get to Scotty's Castle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So a little bit about Scotty's Castle. It's not a castle. It is a two-story mission revival and a Spanish colonial revival style villa. The ranch was actually, and the home was actually built by somebody named Albert Johnson. He was a, an insurance broker from Chicago, of all places. He was lured to Death Valley by all the promises of gold mine investment with somebody else named Walter Scott, who was known as Death Valley Scotty. So that's where we get Scotty. Now, why is it named Scotty's Castle, though? That, that would be the question, right? So who is this Death Valley Scotty? He was a member of Buffalo Bill Cody's Wild West Show, which is quite a, wow, it was fantastic. His reputation was one of a ham actor, but he was a ruthless con man. A bit of a shyster. Yes. And a pathological liar. So he would do anything and is willing to say anything for his big moment in the limelight. Mm-hmm. In the area, the Johnsons, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, began to build their dream home. It was uh, 1922, and they invested a whopping $1.4 million into this project. That is huge amount of money at that time. Yep. 
While it was under construction, Mr. Johnson agreed to act as Scotty's banker. And Scotty, in turn, developed a complete, utter web of lies associated with Mr. Johnson's property. And he convinced everybody that he built the castle with his own money and that it came out of the riches from a secret mine in the area. So he he was quite the con man. And he literally convinced people of this. And he turned out, in the end, to be a great friend of Mr. Johnson. Yeah, so Mr. Johnson kept him around because he liked his company, liked Mm -hmm. his stories. Yeah, interesting. There's some books that you can read on Death Valley Scotty. Yeah, I think one of them is called Death Valley Scotty, and I had read that. And I'd recommend that read, too, when you're in this area. Just another way to soak up the history and... Interesting story about an interesting guy who's got a property named after him that he did not own, did not build. It's just interesting. Yeah, there's also a little bit of interesting history as time went on, because as of 1930, Death Valley turned into the, a national monument. So all that land that was around the Johnson's residence was then sucked up by the uh, national monument area, the, the government kind of sucked it all in and ultimately mr johnson was able to buy the land that was under his castle so he was able to preserve that land and his home even though the government came in and and just started buying up all that land and taking that land as a as a monument so he was able to complete his home and finish it all off so let me ask you this when you close your eyes and think about when we went to scotty's castle what do you remember about it that organ i remember the organ i remember it was big i remember the he had lots of cars he was into cars it was kind of desolate kind of out in the middle of nowhere it kind of surprised me Mm -hmm. inside the castle do you remember the docent who we had yes she was in character yeah kind of period outfit Mm -hmm. played the part of like Mm -hmm. you were in the 1920s or 30s Yeah. yeah The home itself was incredible. Kind of lavish looking. It was very lavish. And you could see that money in the house. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can literally see it. And uh, the the expansive garage. And, you know, I'm sure he loved cars because he sure had a lot of places to put them. And this is one of those things that I don't know once they open up Scotty's Castle again in the future, if that music room will have survived the flooding. Because it's Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, there was this incredible organ Mm -hmm. And when we visited, they had it set up where it was kind of like a you know player piano, player organ type of thing. And there was a piano there too. And um, they pressed some button and the instruments had the those music rolls in them. So they would play by themselves. And you got a chance to hear the pipes in the background with the music blowing through them. And it was just so cool. And I hope that they're able to salvage what was destroyed. We do have video footage that we took from that room so I'll, i'm gonna see if i can maybe especially that organ that, that, that. music yeah i, I don't call it an organ or i mean it was it, it was, was fantastic yeah. it was is really great i really liked it yeah and death valley scotty is still nearby his faux home we visited him he's buried up there yes mm-hmm. we walked by his grave mm-hmm. yeah i really hope they were able to preserve or restore, I should say, most of what was there because it, it really was fascinating. Yeah. So that rounds out 
10 things you can do in Death Valley. There's even more than that. And you know, Death Valley for us continues to be this area of astonishment and wonder, a place we love to explore. Before we leave, how about a couple of fun facts? Fun facts. So Death Valley is the driest place in the country, so dry that in 1929, there was not a single drop of rain recorded in Death Valley. Bring your own water. Wow. Yeah. And despite its morbid name, a great diversity of life survives in this place. So the park is home to more than a thousand species of plants, including 50 that you, you're not going to find anywhere else in the world. They're unique to this area. There's 300 species of birds, 51 species of mammals, including bighorn sheep and mountain lions, 36 species of reptiles, and a variety of amphibians and fish species. So just the, an abundance of life. And I remember like growing up as a kid, there'd be times when my parents would, if we would be driving th through the desert, it's usually because they were making their trip to Las Vegas, which you know was <laughs> yeah. that destination. But between Hollywood, where we lived, and ultimately Simi Valley and Las Vegas, you know, as the car was making its way through that Mojave Desert, I can still hear my mom saying, oh, the desert. I hate the desert. <laughs> it's dead here. There's nothing alive. How can anybody like the desert? And I think about places like this. And it's just if you take the time to look beyond what the eye initially sees, mm -hmm. there is so much life mm -hmm. and it's so mm -hmm. fascinating. And to me, it's, it fascinates me to know that life does survive in a climate that's yeah. as harsh as it is, that can get blistering hot in the summer and ridiculously cold in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't live there, but we like to visit. Not in the summer though. Humans are also found in Death Valley human remains. So archaeologists have found evidence of human presence in Death Valley that dates back at least 9,000 years. The Timbisha Shoshone Native American tribe has inhabited Death Valley for the past 1,000 years. So you can live in this type of climate and adapt to it even as, as a human. Yeah, although I don't know 9,000 years ago what the climate there would have been like. Oh, it was very like. different. Totally had, different. Had to have been different. Totally different. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. there was evidence of water. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's places yeah. there today where there's water. Yeah. Uh, you got to know where to get it. But not many people live there today. Mm -hmm. Really harsh. Very harsh. Yeah. But do visit. I think it's one of the treasures in the national park system in the country. I, I can't think of a national park that we visited that I wouldn't recommend. I love them all. Yeah. They're all so different. But that's uh, the point. Mm -hmm. it, they are very different. And Death Valley is so unique as a desert area and that they preserved it. And, um, you know, let the public use it. Is It's a blessing. Yeah. It's a treasure. So put it on your list. Make a point to make the journey out to Death Valley National Park. And some of the things that you've heard us talking about on this podcast, be it some of the books, some of the gear you're going to find if you go to our website, theplaceswherewego.com, there's a tab on the site called gear, and that'll steer you to some of the things that we have found helpful in our travels, either gear for hiking, gear for the travel itself, resources, references. So if you see something there that was going to help you in your travel, 
feel free to, uh, it'll take you to those items on Amazon and we'll get a nickel or a dime. So we always appreciate mm. that. Do you link some of these books that we recommend? Yep. So you can find that there also. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And get your reading before your trip. Mm-hmm. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with more adventures mm-hmm. someplace else. You'll have to tune in <laughs> to see where we go next. We appreciate that you joined us. Until then, we'll see you at the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.